Philip Bliss penned the words to that hymn based on a sermon illustration from a Civil War battle. Did you know that? Down in southern Tennessee, Georgia, well, I don't remember on which side of the border that was, during Sherman's march there. And uh, it's one of the sermon illustrations that Major Daniel Whittle gave in a message of his that P.P. Um, uh, Bliss was there and leading the music and overheard that, decided to put it to words. So we have it. Very appropriate hymn. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Turn to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. And uh, you should have a handout. Ben, do you have the extras there? Okay, that's fine. Just uh, does anybody... Okay, yes, we do need, and probably the men when they come in will need. <coughs> Thought we would have a little bit of fun this morning. A few days ago, I think it was last week, Dr. Jim said, you know, small group, we'll have a little bit of interaction. I enjoy that. So uh, maybe we'll get some of that to get you involved in this this morning. We're going to be talking about clothing, but probably not the way you might think. Uh, but in uh, Genesis here, looking at the life of Joseph from a little different angle, we see that there are occasions when Joseph changed his clothes. And I, I, I'm sure there were many occasions when he changed his clothes, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but it is interesting, you know, the Bible doesn't indicate every time somebody changed their clothes. But there's a few here in a row with regard to Joseph. And I wonder if there's something then that we can take from it. One of those is found in Genesis 41, so let's just take a quick look at this and we'll get started. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there is none that can interpret it and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. Let's bow and have a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we do ask now for just some supernatural uh, wisdom, discernment as we look at your word. Holy Spirit, you're the one that reveals truth, guides us into all truth, and uh, you, you are the spirit of truth. So we pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would teach us this morning and make applications as is necessary <clears throat> and needful to our lives even when we may not even be aware of the need. And we'll thank you already in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Finding the coat that fits. This is just one of those occasions in Genesis 41 where clearly Joseph uh, left off one set of clothing and took on another. And that by itself, you know, probably we wouldn't be talking about it. We might even just read right past it. Just... But you know, the Lord only gives us what we need. And what he gives us, we do need. He doesn't waste any, any time. He doesn't waste any white paper here on words. He wanted us to know that. And, uh, but again, it's not the first time. So let's, you've got your, kind of your outline. This is a little bit of an unusual outline. If you notice, point A under one is actually going to continue through point two, three, and four down into F because we've got a continuation here. So I just did something a little unorthodox in, with regard to outlining. But it's because there's a continuous thought here. And I'm not suggesting you should do that for a paper or something. But uh, anyway, we're just going to have a little fun this morning. So if we, let's go back to uh, chapter 37. And let's see the first time that the, it's probably not the first time that Joseph ever changed his clothes. But it is that first time here. And um, let's, uh, let's begin in verse 20 here of chapter 37 of Genesis, and you'll get a sense of what's going on. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, his brothers say, and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Something that Reuben, who is the oldest, wanted to do a bit covertly, whereas he should have been more bold 
in his deliverance at this point. Joseph is actually going to get escape out of his hands through the evil deeds of, of the brothers, the other brothers here. Verse 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. This is the first occurrence in a, in a list that we have of an occasion when it said that Joseph changed his clothes. And he didn't ask for this one. I think we all get the sense of that. The word stripped here gives us that idea that this was something done to him. Stripped. If you're looking at your outline there, number one, it's the coat of a son. What was taken from him, what was stripped from him, is, uh, I mean, we, we understand. I mean, you remember from days in Sunday school, probably, or family devotions when you were younger, and you know what that coat means. Now, <clears throat> let's have a little input. What do you think that, um, that, tell me what that coat meant to Joseph or to anybody else looking at it. What did it mean? Okay, he was the favored. You might just even just add that somewhere there. Um, this coat signifies my favor. It could be one word we might put in there. The favor that has been shown me. <clears throat> Obviously, the brothers took it that way. They couldn't stand that coat. They're stripping from him the favor that he has with their father, obviously. There might be something else that goes with that coat. <clears throat> that would be the predominant one. Anybody else? I know my class isn't shy. Dr. Paul, is your class shy? Have they been shy? <clears throat> they don't sound shy next door. They really don't. <laughs> and, uh, it's, but I, we appreciate it because it's certain opportunities. Uh, you know, the laughter next door you know, gives. If we're in some sober discussion about world history, then it just adds life. It's just really good. We, we play off of it. It works well. Um, what else could that coat, what else might it mean? Yes, good. Blessing, did I hear, Jonathan? Anybody else? It was given by the Father. Does it indicate some rights that he may have as a son? It certainly is favor, whatever, but uh, it's being stripped away, you understand. It's, it's leaving him. Not by his own design, for sure, but it is being taken. And this is a progression in his life that's actually needful. And we're going to follow that projection, which I'm sure you've done and heard in other messages, but we're going to follow it in his clothing because there is a progression in clothing here for him. And so we're just going to see from that standpoint what is going on in Joseph's life. Notice now, this coat becomes evidence. Well, it did become evidence. I mean like courtroom evidence. Now, you know, if they'd had DNA testing, they would have done a little better with the evidence, but it was presented as evidence, wasn't it? What did it become evidence of? Joseph's death. You know, and for then, a long time, he would be considered dead. To Jacob? Yeah. Not only to him, even though the brothers knew that uh, the coat itself was an evidence of his death, they did understand him to be dead. Did they not? Did they give testimony of that, or were they kidding? Were they joking? When they came to Egypt to buy food, roughly, we, we just went through this last week in History of Civ, and many of you that are in Dr. Paul's class have been through this. When they came to, to get food there, it probably was approximately a year now into the famine by the time they had run out of food that first time. And they were there, and they don't realize now that they've laid eyes on Joseph himself, that they're actually communicating with him, albeit through an interpreter. He's made himself strange to them. And how do they describe Joseph to Joseph? Do you remember? Somebody. Go ahead. John, it's... He is not. There are, uh, there's a brother at home with his father, a brother of his, of his old age, or a, you know, a son of his old age, and then they say there's one that is not. 
He's dead. He died. That's an odd thing to say to a, a man who's not dead. You know, I think it was, uh, I think it was Mark Twain that read him about his own death in the, in, the, in the newspaper one morning. Picked up the newspaper, looked through the obituaries to see what friend of his had died, and discovered that he had died. That's a true story, by the way. And so he had something really cute to write about it. Uh, it he really was still very much alive at that point. Uh, but here's Joseph now hearing of his death. And yet I think he could give testimony that, you know, I did die. In a, in a very real sense, I did die that day. Something was stripped from him. And it is needful for us as well that something be stripped because unless it is, it cannot be replaced. It has to be replaced with something else. And I think this is the progression that we're going to see in Joseph. When one thing is taken, another is received. Another is given. Another is put on. And uh, so here, there under point one, this coat is replaced with the coat of, what would you say? I mean, we don't have a verse that says, here's what he put on next, but what did he put on next? The coat of a slave or a servant, yeah. In a very real sense, the coat of a slave. Yeah, well, that, you know, honestly, that's not going to be much coat at all, is it? <laughs> Frankly, uh, Psalm 105 and verse 17, if you wanted to go there real quick, I think we're going to have time to look at a few things. Psalm 105 gives a quick, quick reference to something about this very time in Joseph's life that I think it'd be important that we didn't pass over. Psalm 105 and verse 17 says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who is sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. It's quite a coat to have especially with what has just been stripped from you. You ever felt like a coat of many colors has been taken away, stripped? You ever feel like, I didn't deserve that? That was totally uncalled for. Well, that's not entirely true. You ever feel that way? I'm sure you have. Maybe even now. Maybe even now you're going through a trial and you say, I, I, I didn't ask for this. I don't get it. I don't see everybody else around me having to go through this. This doesn't even seem fair. You know, it does speak to that word stripped. He didn't ask for this. He was out obeying his dad. Hey, why don't you go and check on your brothers there for me? And so he went. Sure. And when he couldn't find them, he asked about them. And then he went even further to obey his father. Yeah, somebody said, I think they're up yonder there. And he went several miles more to find them. Imagine doing all of that right and having this occur to him. It's been stripped from me. And now what is he wearing? Yeah, definitely the clothing of a servant. Fetters. Irons. Literally here, it said, Boy, he was hurting by the time he got to Egypt, this teen boy. I wonder what is all going through his mind. Point A under that, the first thing he's going to have to deal with is what you and I would have to deal with in that circumstance when that's been stripped from us. It's my bitterness. Do you know how easy it is to get bitter at that point? Yeah, it's like a default setting for our flesh. Like if you do nothing... If you just, well, I'll just, we'll just see what happens. You're probably going to get bitter. Because there's just that much flesh still living inside of us. I don't know about you, but I, I got plenty. Bitterness. Born out of those questions. Why this? What's going on here? I don't, I don't get it. I can't believe this. Bitterness. Well, you know, if, uh, if he's going to put on bitterness right now, then, uh, you know, we would have a really short chapel message right here. I'd just say, well, don't you do it, and we'll have an altar call and go back to class. And praise God he didn't do it. He wouldn't be much of a type of Christ if he got bitter at this point, would he? But, of course, we know that he is a type of Christ who left heaven's glory 
and being the favored son and came to earth and endured a lot for you and me that he didn't deserve and he didn't get bitter. I, I think of that, honestly. I was talking to somebody the other day about it because I do, I do think about this. The, when, when the Lord Jesus was, uh, was crucified, can you imagine the people that he could have looked at and said, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to die for a lot of people, but I don't think you. I don't see how you, I, you just don't fit into my plan. You know, they're, they're punching him in the face. Literally. I don't want you to think like they've got their white gloves off and they're just slapping him. Because when, when they're done with him, you can't, you can't recognize him. He is unrecognizable. People would have said, uh, hey, who's that carrying that cross? Well, that's Jesus. That's not Jesus. I've seen him many times. That's not him. They're punching him in the face. They're plucking his beard. What would it take to do that? Like to come away with a handful. And not once did he say, ouch, that hurt, not you. I, I'm done. I've had enough. You hit that nail one more time with that hammer, and that'll be the end of it for you. He didn't. He said, Father, forgive them. No bitterness. And he didn't deserve any of it. None of it. It was all bad. It was all wrong. It was all violent. It was all ill-intended. Nobody, nobody was there to help him. And he said, Father, forgive them. In other words, he was for them, not himself. He was for them. He understood the bigger plan. He understood what God was doing. We may not always understand that, but we can believe in a God who does. God, I know you're doing something right now. And I believe that is the only thing, get me now, this is the only thing that really will combat bitterness. Does time take care of bitterness? What do you think? You know, they say time heals everything. Really? Yeah, for an evolutionist, time takes care of a lot of things. But uh, not, not really, does it? Not really. Only forgiveness, understanding what the Lord has done. Chapter 50 of Genesis, we'll go there just real quick with me, Genesis chapter 50, because here is the answer for bitterness. And I'm sure this is what he would have had to wrestle through all the way to Egypt, because he is human, because he does have a sin nature, because he, it is a big trial, and it is real, and it's been very ugly, and these were his brothers. These weren't just close friends or acquaintances. These were his flesh and blood brothers that did this to him. In his face now, saying what they had only said behind his back before. Now they can tell him what they really think of him and how they hate him. Punching him, no doubt. Verse 19 of Genesis 50, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? It's a good question. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Joseph did have a vision based on dreams that God had given him. And I don't, I'm sure he didn't know how he was going to get from point A to point B, those dreams. Okay, they're supposed to bow to me. But that didn't happen back at that well there in the wilderness. I don't know how that's going to happen here. But God, I believe you. And it must be the path that I must trod to get there where you need me. And that path includes this. Stripping away my favor. Stripping away my rights. And that's genuinely what happened. They were stripped from him. He dealt with his bitterness by believing God. 
Students, it is the only way. There is no other way. You can try to repress those memories. You can try to quote Bible verses. Yeah, that's, you know, that's fine. You can, but if you're not really believing God, you're going to be bitter. And the evidence of bitterness is going to be in particular either when you think of that situation or that incident or those words again, or you see that person again, or you hear somebody else talk about them, or you know, their phone, their, their number comes up on your phone or something, and there's a difference. There's a change. There's less than the love of God for them. And you know what? That's what the brothers fear, because dad's gone. How does he really feel about us? I think it was Dr. Jim that actually said one time years ago, I probably wrote it down somewhere, that they fear that he's going to mistreat them because that's what they would do if they were in his shoes. And he said that, and I thought, that's really good. That's exactly right. Because what else would he do? Well, that's, I mean, that's what we do. We know what we did to him. We know how mean we were. We know how we want vengeance. That's what we would do. How free are you of that? Have you taken care of bitterness? In any form, in any setting, with any person? Have you, are you believing God? Do you know, do you know, students, that God will never put you through an ounce of pain or suffering or trial more than you need. Do you get that? Not one ounce. You can watch a doctor come into the room and you say, does the needle really need to be that long? I mean, seriously. How many of you don't really like to take needles? You really don't like to. How many of you would say, that doesn't bother me at all? Whatever, bring them on. Okay. I remember my freshman year of college. Get this now. Classes hadn't even begun. We had to go to the campus hospital. Can you imagine having a campus hospital? Sometimes we think we need one. Anyway, we had to go to the campus hospital to get a, just a, I don't know, some kind of vaccination shot. They were, they were giving them to everybody. And so me, my first cousin, who had come in as a freshman with me, we were there. And uh, we were sitting in the, the waiting room there in the hospital. And we were just chatting and all excited. This is our freshman year. And, you know, that we were going to get into the, they were called societies there, like fellowships. And we were talking through everything and sports and all the excitement of classes and meeting new friends and all this. And in walks this young man in our class. Never met him before. There's like 1,500 in our class. So he walks in. And uh, so we're just talking away, and he's pacing. He's just pacing back and forth. And, and uh, finally, the time came for somebody else to get a shot. And we looked at him, and he's a big guy. Man, he was big. He said, uh, would you like to go f first? And he said, oh, could I? Could I? Really? Yeah, like you're going to probably pass out if you don't. Just go ahead. And he did not like that. But you know, you don't have to fear the trial. You're not going to get one ounce more. Not one ounce. You know what that means? That means you can say, God, this must have been necessary. Do you know that everything really does have to come past God on his desk right there, as it were? that he needs to approve that. He may not be the author of it. He may not be the author of it, but he's got to approve it. Have you considered my servant Job? Who said that? Well, it wasn't, wasn't the devil. Like, like, Job wasn't on Satan's radar at that point. So who put Job on Satan's radar? Yeah, I've got somebody that uh, you might be interested in. You know, if I were Job right now, I... I, would, I don't think I'd be, uh, shh, Lord, could you just shh for a minute? God did that. God brought about, uh, he, no, God isn't going to come down and afflict Job with all those things, but Satan would. So God moves the hedge. And there wasn't one ounce more there than what was needed. Not an ounce. He knoweth the way that I take. He knoweth the way that I take. Who said that? Job did. And when I am tried, I shall, be, I shall come forth as gold. Job knew that. If you get that in your soul, it will change your outlook on trials. 
and people who sometimes aren't nice, but then, you know, sometimes we aren't, we aren't either. God, you're doing this. Somehow this is needful for me. You're going to use this somehow. And if you have that perspective, you can be a blessing to people around you. A bitter person, even with a smile on his face, or hers, or quoting Bible verses, still isn't really a help to anybody, right? The only way to free yourself of the bitterness is to believe God. All right, so we know that Joseph now goes to Egypt, <clears throat> clothed a little differently at the end of the trip than uh, before he started out there. And uh, so we're talking about clothing. Number two, he now has the coat of a servant or a slave. But he is obviously, as his time goes on there, those first early years under Potiphar in Genesis here, uh, he is going to change clothes more. And the, the, the next coat that he's going to change is in chapter 39. And look at verse... Uh, <clears throat> Well, look at verse 10. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph, we know that's Potiphar's wife, day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within, and she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, there's an interesting word here, the verb, Initially there, that first time, it was stripped. But what's the word here? What is it? He left this one. We can't really say that the first time. Oh, it was really just taken. But here it says he left it. Well, what is this coat? It's a coat of a servant. It's not the coat that he came with. He's not still in fetters. Okay? But it still is the coat of a servant. He really has done well under Potiphar, hasn't he? We, you know, we don't have time to read through this, but we do get the fact that, really, he's writing the checks now. Right? That he's got the portfolio. You know, if stocks and bonds need to be moved somewhere, he's the one doing it. Potiphar doesn't have a clue. There, in fact, there's one thing here that it says Potiphar knew about. What was that? It was the food that he put in his mouth. You know, it'd be hard to miss that one. Okay, even if Joseph was feeding him, it'd still be hard to miss. The point here is that, you know, he really does trust Joseph. Joseph has done well. By the Spirit of God, as a servant, without bitterness, he really is moving forward. And so consequently, his, his garment shows that, I believe. He doesn't have the same garment that he came down in. He stood on the auction block, and Potiphar said, I don't know, I, he doesn't look like much, but I'll give you something for him. He doesn't look the same now. A few years later, he still has, he still has the, the, the coat of a servant, but this is like chief of staff stuff. You can still tell he's a servant. You walk in the house, you're not thinking like he's you know, a cabinet member to Pharaoh here at this point, but, but it's what he left, what he left was, uh, was that important to him? I mean, he had worked for this. He had done a lot for this. He had done well for this. This coat signifies my accomplishments. In the Lord, yes, but that's what it was, and he left it because it's time to put on something else because this is only going to get me so far, and it's not going to take me past this day. So I'm going to leave this one. I've got to take this one off. This one's coming off. the coat of his accomplishments. And sure enough, you'd look at him and you'd say, well, he certainly isn't on the auction block anymore. I mean, he's, that's a nice coat. It's not the coat of many colors. I get it. But it's a, it is a coat. It's a coat. But he's going to have to leave this one. Now this coat's going to become evidence as well. The first coat did. The first coat had blood all over it. And it was shown as evidence. And Jacob took it as evidence. He didn't say, oh, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't get it. He got it. Nobody had to explain it. I got it. You know what? This coat's going to mean something, too. 
this coat's going to be evidence. You tell me, what does this coat mean? What kind of evidence? Again, misconstrued, sure. But there is something about it that isn't misconstrued. Ben. Oh, I like that. Okay, now let's take that word integrity here for a minute. You tell me. I mean, this is a little supposition, I understand. But if that coat, that same coat, had been on any other slave in that, you know, Joseph never came to Egypt or he never got the position. It's some other guy. It's some slave that came out of Somalia or Sudan or whatever, out of Libya. Or it's an Egyptian. But there he is, chief of staff, and Potiphar's gone on a business trip, and there's Potiphar's wife. What do you think he does? I don't know. I think, I think we know. Right? This is a coat... The evidence of it shows integrity. You know what? You could write down here, this coat becomes evidence of my being different. However you're going to interpret, they're going to say it's not integrity. We know that it is. But whatever it means, this man is different. He's not the average slave because he's willing to give up his accomplishments. The evidence here, this is the code of accomplishments. That's not what's important to me. That's not what's important to me. My integrities, being different. In this case, obviously, being holy, trusting God, obeying Him. That's what's important, not my accomplishments. I don't know whether he knew giving up that coat that day would land him in prison. I don't know. You know what? I think if you'd have told him, it wouldn't have mattered. I think we can agree on that. That doesn't matter. You know, whatever that day looked like, it didn't look very pretty. And I'm sure he knew if he upset her to that degree, anything could happen. And it wasn't going to be kind. But his accomplishments go. First it's stripped, the coat... Now a coat is left. Notice now this coat is replaced with the coat of a, a prisoner. <clears throat> now I want you to notice point B here because it's a continuation there of that my bitterness. So I just did it this way. And I want you to look at, uh, you can write this in first, my defense. My defense. And look at verse 17. Let's look at there. See what happens. And she spake unto him, that's when the Lord came home, Potiphar. She spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant Uh, to me that his wrath was kindled and took him and put him in the prison. Now, you tell me, where's Joseph's defense? Where is it? It's not there. As a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. That would be our understanding here. He He doesn't claim any defense. He's in the hand. Now, whether he ever spoke a word, the fact is, he's trusting God. That we know. That is his defense. He's believing that God is in control. If he didn't believe that, then he'd start getting a little crazy and start saying things and needing to do things, maybe running out and trying to escape because I can't believe it. Now I'm going to prison. This is really bad. No defense. Not trying to defend oneself. See my glory. <laughs> you get the idea his glory is departing? I wonder how hard it was to leave that coat, to give up that glory. Does he really consider it to be his glory? Notice chapter 40, verse 8. Now in prison, these two come in, these two officers, um, 
probably accused of an assassination attempt on Pharaoh. It's very possible. Look at verse 8. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Where's the glory? It's not his. You know, he's bitterness. I'm trusting God. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to. I don't need to defend myself. That's not like an internal need that I need to be right. And people need to know I'm right. And I didn't do wrong. And it's not my fault. For crying out loud. That's not like this burning desire that I'm, I'm seen as the, you know, I wear the white hat. They've got the black one. It's not a driving force in my life. It's okay. And God's going to get the glory. Do you know how easy it would be for him to take glory at this point? Like he's kind of hit bottom in prison, you know? Wouldn't you be hungry for a little glory? A little help? A little aid? A little favor? All this stuff is gone. And he's still giving God glory. There's only one way he could do that. If he's really trusting God. I mean, deep. I'm not saying, he, like, we give him a little quiz here at BCM, and, you know, should we give glory to God, and how often should we rejoice, and uh, give me a Bible verse for that. That's not it. He's living it. It's deep in here. Dad's not around. Mom's no here, not here. Nobody's around. There's no dean here to give him demerits. There's no handbook. He has a relationship with God. That's what's important. D, how about my fear? My fear. Look at chapter 40, verse 18. He's given now one interpretation, and uh, somebody wants, you know, hey, can I get an interpretation? You gave him an interpretation. That's a good one. Can I get one too? Right? You know the story. The butler got an interpretation, and now the baker says, I like that one. That's good. Hey, I had a dream too. Can you do that for me? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, so here it is, verse 18. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee. Ooh. Wait a minute. Okay. You mean there's daylight between my head and my shoulders? Okay. I'm not sure that's supposed to happen. I'm quite sure it's not supposed to, unless you're in the French Revolution. Then it happened a lot, but uh, still anyway, that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Now, this is just an interesting thought here uh, with an application. What is Joseph giving this man? What is he giving to him? It's an interpretation, but what is it? What is it? Yes, it is. Good. Somebody else tell me. Good. That's good. What else? Oh, come on. Don't look at Everybody's looking around at everybody else. Well, tell him. No, you tell me. Come on. What is it? Yes. How could he know? What is he telling him that's good? Is he giving him truth? Did he just tell him truth? Where'd that truth come from? Is he like declaring truth? Yes? Even when it's not good news? And where's the fear? Fear is gone when you've dealt with bitterness. You're not worried about getting the glory, having a defense. Then the fear of man is gone. Now you can declare truth. It's not about hurting people though this one hurt. It was about declaring truth that came right from God. You get it? All right, number three. The coat of one, because we've got to be alliterated here, we have a son, we have a servant or a slave, and now we have one sentenced. The coat of one who's sentenced. The coat of a prisoner. Okay, yeah, you know, we have that coat on. That's good. He's been using that coat, all, but now it's coming off and we already read about this one, chapter 41 and verse 14. He, he did something with this one. Now, what's the verb here? Stripped? Left? What is it? He changed it. Like he exchanged it. Yeah, same thing. Okay, this one won't do. Let's go with that one. Why did he do that? You know, they came hastily, and they brought him hastily out of, you got to come now. No, you don't understand. you got to. 
well, I, I, got, I, I just got to clean this, and there's some prisoners over here we got to work with, and I've, I've got some things. Um, maybe this afternoon work sometime? Could we work something out? How about early tomorrow? No, you don't get it. You're coming now. Okay, but this won't do. This has to be changed. Why? Well, that's a duh. You know why. Tell me why. Oh, that's really good. Because it's not so much about this as it is about him. We're going where? I'm going to see who? Who's he going to see, class? Who's he going to see? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who is he? Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. You've got a final exam coming up. Shame. I need the name before I get the numbers. Senesret. Senesret. The second. If we've done our homework right, okay. So he's going to go see Mr. Senesret. Or you can just call him Junior. Okay. And, uh, but this won't do. I've got, so what's he going to put on here? Let's look at this. Um, this coat signifies my weakness, my utter inability. Like I'm on the bottom of the, you know, what do they say, the, the, the food chain here. I'm <laughs> just way down, okay? I'm in the prison. My weakness, this coat signifies my weakness. The coat becomes evidence of you know, there's one time here, and I, this, is, this is interesting to point out. In uh, chapter 40, look at verse 14. This is an interesting blurb in the midst of Joseph's life down here. It's, we get a glimpse into what's going on in his heart. He says to the butler, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now there isn't anything there that you and I would say, you know, wow, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I probably would have said more. I probably would have, get over here. I'd say, you're not going back without me. There, clamp some fetters on both of us. There you we're going together. You're getting out of here. I'm out of here. Okay? But he didn't do that. But there is something in his heart, isn't there? Do you know how long it's going to take to deal with that? From that point till that is fully dealt with. You know how long it's going to take? Two years. He says, think on me. I'm sure the guy said, oh, yeah, no problem. Oh, I'll text you. You'll be all. I got you. It's no problem. I'll send a Uber car for you, whatever, you know. Two years. And in two years, we have a different Joseph. And Joseph, he's not like, it's not like he's bad already. Look at all that he's done. Look at what God has put him through. But it's not done. It wasn't done or he wouldn't have to spend two more years in jail. Because God's not going to give him an ounce more than he needs. But it is two more years, according to 41.1. And so now he comes out, and we look at um, um, that second apple there, this coat becomes evidence of my contentment. In other words, when he took it off, when it's off now, and it's, we know those coats, and now there's, it's, being, it's being entered as evidence, and this one's going to be evidence of contentment. And I'm going to show you why in a minute while we're wrapping up here. Um, this one's going to be evidence of contentment. You know what? Contentment is not, not a possibility with bitterness or when you're self-seeking and you want your own glory, when you're defending yourself. You're not going to be content. You won't be. But this one is. It's, a, it's evidence of contentment, and this coat is replaced with a coat of a, you got to get this, a loyal subject prisoner. 
You see, he changed into some, I'm sure, into clean clothes, the most presentable thing that he had, which is still a prison garment, uh, because he's going before the king, because of who the king is. It says um, here, uh, why did Joseph change? Because he was called. Because he was called. Well, if you're called by the king, of course you change. You don't come as you are. I'm going to show him that I am a loyal. Like, he doesn't have an attitude. He's not like, I'm going to come as my They're going to put me through this? Okay, I'll go see Junior. Let's go. Where is he? No, no, no. He goes, the king called for me? Well, I can't go like this. That's the king. He's not bitter. All this has been dealt with. Oh, I got to... You got to wait for me just a minute. Hold the car. I got to get okay, and I got okay. I got to shave, and I got to look nice. Why? Because he's loyal to that king. He's not bitter. He's loyal. Now that's already showing his contentment, isn't it? Like I, I love that guy. I don't even know him. Maybe never met him. E. What's he going to have to deal with here? My manipulation. Manipulation. And uh, look at chapter 40 here, again in verse 14. Um, well, let's skip down to 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh and saying, it is not in me. I'm going to tell you, that's like the worst answer in the whole wide world. Like Joseph just blew a mega opportunity. You, you got to understand this. Does Joseph have a need? Like two years ago, did he know about it? Yeah, what was his need? I got to get out of here. You don't understand. You know how often he wanted to get out of there? You know he's looking at the windows? He's looking out through the bars going, I got to get out of here. I don't get this. I don't, this, this is not me. And then you go back in and work, and he did well, you know. Again, his work, his work, but I got to get out of here. This, is, this isn't for me. This wasn't meant for me. I meant for great and big things. That was two years ago. And he was willing to even manipulate circumstances there with the butler. You've got to help me get out of here. That was just a moment of manipulation. Did it work? Well, no, not for two years it didn't work. It didn't work until God said. And he got content. And I'm going to prove this to you because now he gives like the worst answer that you could give. Like he blew it. If you and I were there and you were like his manager, you would go, I don't believe you just said that. What do you... The guy needs something, and you got it. You, you understand? He can't get it anywhere else. Look at this. Pharaoh said, I have dreamed a dream, verse 15, and there is none that can interpret it. And I've heard that you can. You got something I need. And Joseph could have said, well, I'm telling you, let's talk. Because you got something I need. And nobody would have, like, thought ill of it. You know, I don't... I'm not looking for money. I just want to be free. Just get me back where I was. Yeah, by the way, this Potiphar guy, you could do something to him too for me. I don't know, but he's content. It's not in me. Do you know what that means? That means he's ready to put on his next change of clothing. The coat of one sanctified, set apart. This coat signifies his authority, but not his authority, Pharaoh's authority. This is in 42, 41, 42, and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures, there it is, change of clothes, of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Can I say that he couldn't go from the coat of many colors to that coat? He had this progression that he had to take in order to get dressed the way he is now. A coat signifies his authority. This coat becomes evidence of my position in him. My position in him. You'll be second in uh, all of Egypt. Nobody's going to move without you. Only to me you'll be second. Your authority is derived from Pharaoh. Young person, you have a position in Christ. Are you living that way? There's a progression to get there. You've got to believe God for that. 
And all of these things will be changed. This coat cannot be earned, but is granted. And this coat is replaced never. Well, not on Joseph. He's going to wear that coat the rest of his life, right? He's going to die in those clothes. I mean, he might have changed from here or there. You know what I mean, but take him to the cleaners, get him back, put him back on again. But no, he's not. There's no more coat that he needs to change. He's sanctified. He is in his, he's, has his authority now derived from the one above him. He is trusting God, and God is using him mightily. Point F, this is now my life, the rest of his life. Just think on these things. One is stripped, one is left, and one is changed or exchanged. Our rights, our accomplishments, and even now the weaknesses that God will use will be changed into strength, power, and authority in God's time and in His way if we're not trying to manipulate circumstances. You know what? I, this is what I think, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. I think that Joseph, I can't prove it by the text, but this is, okay, so this is just me now. I think that Joseph, when he said, um, uh, you know, it would be really good. Now, therefore, Pharaoh, verse 33, now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. It would be inconsistent with the text to think that he was manipulating for himself. He already passed the great opportunity to do that. It's not in me. He's not angling for himself. This is part of what God is giving him for Pharaoh. There's one more message here. This is what you need to do. Here's some instruction. Just divine wisdom. Here's what you ought to do. And here's what I think. This is what I think. I can't prove it. I think at that moment when he was done, in verse 36, at the done with the end of verse 36, he's done talking, I think he began to turn. I can't prove it. Where's he going? His job is done. He's going back to jail. And it's Pharaoh now, 37 and 38, that says, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, where are you going? And I think that's consistent with who Joseph is now. Is it consistent with us? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I do pray, just take this now and use it in hearts and lives. Helps to meditate on these things and love you for it. Uh, it's a work that you obviously have to do. Joseph didn't ask for any of this. He didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, I think I'll go to Egypt. It's, it, this was all done to him. But he, he made conscious choices along the way. Really, faith steps. And he allowed you to purify him and grow him spiritually at every step. May we do the same. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.